And the rest of the musical is I'm testing out that idea to my problem. That's my yeah. thesis, Jackson. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Hello and welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob. I'm Jackson. Welcome back, everybody, to another great conversation. <laughs> another great conversation. Yes, we're we're here to discuss a very funny musical. Yeah. But uh, it, it, uncomfortable funny is the type of musical that we're here to discuss. So you may see that our mood is just a little <laughs> bit odd. Because yeah. this is like dark, offensive comedy to the max. I mean, this is like in the realm of your like Book of Mormon style comedy. And so... That's very hard to talk about because the things that For are sure. funny, <laughs> if you say them out loud, you're like, that's not funny. That's horrible. Yep. Yeah, it is <laughs> this this is a darkly comic show. Um uh definitely deals with the uh the strife of young folks. Um and so so uh so yeah, maybe this I mean we're, well let's tell you what play we're talking about first, then we'll do the content warning. We're talking about Heathers today. Yeah, Heathers, uh the musical that is based on the 80s movie. We'll talk about that when we get to the context section, but Kevin Murphy and Lawrence O'Keefe um, they're, they're the, the uh, writing minds behind this, although they were not the original folks that had the idea or the rights to adapt the movie into a musical. You may know Heathers from one or the other, right? You may be like, that old movie? Or you might be like, oh yeah, the pop musical that has swept, weirdly, not America. I want yeah. to save that conversation for the context section, but <laughs> the the life of Heather's, which is a, a musical about American high schools in the eighties, is not really based in America at all. I mean, <laughs> it's, not it's that it's wild. not been popular here; it obviously has been, but it's had a huge life elsewhere. Yeah, I had to do like double takes on both the like world premiere recording and the the uh, the, the 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 first kind of uh, West End recording. I was like, man, this is really this is really not New York, huh? Okay, huh? Cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. It's straight. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But hey, we what I will say though, we're gonna do a content warning, but also to say that like in the history of the pivots of no script. From one episode to the next. <laughs> you may know that last week we talked about In the Blood by Susan Lee Parks. <laughs> In the Blood is metatheatrical, tragic, highly uh, image and metaphor-based, uh, an incredibly brilliant piece of theater by a genius. I, I mean, somebody that I believe is a true genius in the world. And not that Kevin Murphy and Lawrence O'Keefe are not. I don't mean this as a diss on them or a diss on Heathers. But it, it, it's a stark 
pivot. <laughs> like this is this is a hard turn. It is absolutely. We have yeah, we have done some like some full one eighties before on the show, and this is this is amongst them. Um, so we're we're matching we should the just energy. Document document this idea for the future, and we'll let the listeners in on it. We could do like a themed month or something where we go back to like the hardest pivots in no script history, and we try to cover both <laughs> scripts in one episode. Whoa. Try to just put them right next to each other and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Could be fun. Or like a Could compare contrast episode. That'd be wild. Right. Man. There's been some hard Come. turns, I bet, if we looked back. Yep. Coming soon to a themed month near you. Um, but <laughs> so, uh, but but today, so, so so let's get the content warning out of the way because then we can kind of yes. jump into the conversation. This is a play that has some stuff in it that, you know, it's it's a it's a dark comedy. <laughs> it's a dark comedy. Um, some stuff. Some stuff. This play is gonna deal with uh, you know uh, teenagers going through the the kind of awful ride that is high school and uh, high school in kind of the late '80s era. So um, it's a lot of bullying. So the the kind of list of trigger warnings for this would be kind of bullying, uh, eating disorders, suicide is mentioned frequently throughout this play. Um, uh, a pretty pretty. Sexual assault. Uh, yeah, sexual assault is in this play. Hardcore bullying back and forth. And and it's all done in a very kind of uh uh dark comedy way. In, in it's it's phrased in songs, it happens flippantly and uh and is is kind of moved quickly past without a whole ton of critique of it itself beyond the perhaps comeuppance of some of these characters. Um so if you remember so just, the just Heather's that movie, going, it's it's all couched in this like incredibly acerbic bitter wit that the, the the commentary sort of comes from the the way that the characters relate to what's happening in a way that is not like true to high schoolers i don't feel and i think that is kind of a generally held understanding of the, the both the original movie and then how this adaption has come about the wittiness the commentary that happens sort of in the internal monologues of the characters, which in the musical, it turns into songs, which you very commonly find in musicals. But you're right that it's not like nobody looks back and is like, that person was in the wrong for trying to sexually assault them. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so just know that going into this conversation, if that, that's not the vibe that you want to listen to today, it's totally okay. We got a lot of other great episodes you can listen to in the blood. That was last week. The probably should. Although in the blood contains all too, of that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, never I mind. Don't listen. Stop, don't, do don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, maybe but Clyde's, listen to another one of those Clyde's conversations. probably's got some heartwarming stuff in Clyde's. I think that, that might <laughs> for, be sure, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, but, I but think today's our theme month will this be... season is going to be kind of lighthearted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, today's conversation will be along those themes, and we will likely be talking about them as in, in a comedic fashion, as this play is a comedy. So be warned ahead of time and make make wise choices for yourselves. With that, yeah, we're gonna I, definitely. Yeah, go for it. No, def- definitely, and 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 if. We're we're gonna do our best to handle the content of Heather's in the way that we try our best to handle every episode. I'm sure we don't succeed, but we try our best to be sensitive to 
subject matters that are sensitive to talk about, that are difficult to talk about. It It's art. It's trying to say something. And we're going to try to live in the world of Heathers for this conversation. We sort of feel like that's our job is to live in the world of the play for an hour. And so the world of the play is kind of uncomfortable around those subjects. So I just want to echo like if if just engaging with those subjects in a kind of uncomfortable way is not how you want to spend the next 40 minutes. Maybe go listen to Clyde's. <laughs> so, but before we jump into that conversation, uh, we do want to take just a second to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. Thank you all so much for being patrons of the show. Um, if you've been a long-time listener to the show, you are familiar with this moment of the show where we say we love getting to do this show. We love getting to have these unscripted conversations and these long kind of wonderings around ways to have themed months in the future and things like that. Um, but uh, uh, And we love getting to share these conversations with all of you out there in podcast land and the patrons over at patreon.com slash no script podcast make that happen. It is not a free endeavor to run a podcast and uh, the patrons help us out enormously with with the, uh, the the costs of the show. So if you're looking for a way to be a part of the no script podcast community and uh, help out the show and also uh, get some fun little perks on the side, patreon.com slash no script podcast is a great way to do that. The lowest amount is just $1, $12 over the course of a year. And at that level, you get access to patron-only posts, which includes things like our, you know, advanced notice of the scripts that are coming out and things like that, and we try to kind of create some conversation over there around those sorts of things. So, um, uh, there's a number of, of uh, tiers, and you can check them all out yourself, but once again, thank you to all the patrons who have already decided to become patrons of the show, and... For the rest of you, if you want to uh, find a way to jump into the community a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast, and we will see you over there. And now, back to the script. hey So, 1988, the film Heathers comes out. This is the short context for the musical. The movie is a cult phenomenon still to this day. It is iconic of the 80s. 80s in America, 80s high school, and 80s movie stars in Winona Ryder <laughs> and Christian Slater. It, it is that kind of cultural Kickstarter powerhouse um, that many of you probably know, in, in a way comparable to what Mean Girls is for people of my generation. Um, and of course, Mean Girls has similarly been adapted into a stage musical. But when Heathers was adapted, um, Legally Blonde, the musical, was sort of in the middle of its big, uh, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, amazing for what it is, uh, an adaption of a very famous movie as well. And so when the folks who were on the production and financing side of turning Heathers into a stage musical were just trying to decide who was going to work on this, they picked Lawrence O'Keefe, who had worked on Legally Blonde and partnered Lawrence O'Keefe with Kevin Murphy. The development process was long, as it always is for a musical like this, which is so commercially produced from the beginning. I mean, this is the kind of project that was designed from the beginning to make a lot of money. And so a lot of money went into its developments. There was, um, starting in 2009, they were doing readings and performances around Los Angeles. Interestingly, Kristen Bell was the original Veronica in a lot of those early stage readings in Los Angeles. Uh, James Snyder 
Snyder was an early person who was doing JD in those Los Angeles readings. Then in 2010, kind of the first formal performance of some kind, a concert performance at Joe's Pub, which is a famous little performance venue inside the public theater in New York City. Um, Jeremy Jordan of uh, the last five years fame was JD in that production. So you can imagine he was much younger then than he was when in the last five years. Um, and then in 2013, the, the official world premiere at the Hudson Backstage Theater in Los Angeles. This was a smash hit in Los Angeles, sold out crowds, big success. So they transferred that production off Broadway 2014 at New World Stages. Um, and then it ran that year and then starts its strange life in the UK for whatever reason. Heather's goes crazy in the UK in a way that while it's very popular in the United States, lots of people know it. It's done in colleges very commonly because it has a lot of young characters. A lot of regional houses do it, although the wit is maybe a little dark for American audiences. I don't know. But for some reason, this musical about 80s high school in America blows the heck up in the UK. 2018, it starts off West End, then immediately to the West End at the Theatre Royal Haymarket. It is almost immediately after the closing of that West End run set up for a revival, which is postponed by COVID. A 2020 revival ends up getting postponed by COVID, but they bring it back and do a touring revival in 2021, and it then goes back to the same West End Theatre, Theatre Royal Haymarket, and performs there and closes just this year. So that was 2021 that revival started and it just closed in February of this year and they've mm. already announced another revival. <laughs> it's coming back. Wow. What the musical Heathers has uh, for UK audiences, I, I, I'm honestly baffled. <laughs> I don't like... To me... Heather's is the least British thing I've ever read. I mean, it's like, this is the most American, like, Stranger Things musical. Like, and it's, it's just the world on fire in the UK is Heather's. Yeah. Very strange to me. There's just a brief overview of the context and life of Heather's. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so with with that in in mind as kind of its its journey throughout the the uh, recent the recent history, um, let's jump into a, a brief synopsis of the play that I'm just going to speed through here before we jump into the conversation, just to give us all a similar starting point. This play takes place in 1989, as dated by the main character Veronica, who uh, is a journaler, um, notably, pretty notably for the course of this play. Um, Veronica kind of starts out the play kind of talking about her, it's her last year in high school. She's a senior this year. She's just got to try to make it through so she can, you know, graduate and then go off to college. She's hoping for like Harvard or Brown or one of these places um, to come through and kind of like full so you rock uh, that recital and get into Yale. Oh wait, that's the wrong. <laughs> oh, this is the wrong, wrong, wrong musical. one. Wrong one. Wrong musical. Sorry. <laughs> different, diff different thing. Outcast high school girl wants to go to Yale. Sorry, I just missed, I missed that one. Up. Yep, yep, copy pasted that, but that's okay. Um, so, <laughs> um, so uh, we, so yeah, we've got. Uh, 
We've got Veronica starting out the play and uh, this kind of just whirlwind of the high school around her. We meet Martha pretty early on. Martha's like her her like childhood best friend. Um, and and they've uh, they've been friends forever and they've kind of been grown, grown up together. They're both kind of socially outcasts within the school for different reasons. Veronica is kind of this like bookish, nerdish outsider and, uh, and Martha is a little bit more overweight and so she's kind of shamed for some of that and kind of cast cast to the outside for, for some of those reasons. And much of these people casting them to the outside are the Heathers. Now, uh, the Heathers are uh, Chandler, uh, Heather Chandler, Heather McNamara, and Heather Duke. Um, those are all their last names. Uh, Heather Chandler is kind of the ringleader of the group. Um, uh, she She's the one with the highest gravity uh, whenever she shows up in the room. And they kind of roll in and they kind of wield these two football players as well, Ram and Kurt. And they are also uh, kind of big sources of bullying and, and uh, pain for both Veronica and Martha. Pretty quickly, though, in the first couple numbers of the play, Veronica kind of makes a bit of a change. She uh, is, uh, again, a journaler um, and a, a creative person and uh, begins uh, trying to kind of sell her talent as a drawer to forge documents for the Heathers. Um, hall passes, prescriptions is one of the things the Heathers ask for. Not sure whether or not she ever does that or, or not for them, but definitely um, kind of helps them in some of their endeavors by virtue of her ability to forge documents. This uh, comes about comes to a head as she's kind of engrafted into the group, um, at, at least uh, has the favor of the Heathers, and uh, they get her to write this um, this forged document, I believe, from Ram, who used who like went out with Martha once a long time ago, and says that he want or they get her to write this letter that says that Ram wants to go out with her again, Martha, her friend, um, and uh, through a process of kind of she she writes it. Um, un, kind of under duress, and then uh, it's eventually gotten to Martha, even though she tries to get in the way a couple times. Um, uh, gotten to Martha, and uh, she she kind of has the guilt of having turned on her friend a little bit for these for these uh, Heather's. This uh, first act kind of continues with uh, the the other important person that floats through into the, in this act is JD. Now JD is a little bit of an outsider, not really sure where he shows up from, um, but he's able to stand up to the Ram and Kurt duo in in a fight, um, and so he is kind of this interesting character to Veronica. And eventually, um, she is uh, before she, before she goes to this. Uh, it's not a homecoming party; it's like a prep rally party in in anticipation of an upcoming sporting event. She goes to the gas station and has this song with JD and they start to kind of uh, start to flirt together. JD talks about this like freezing brain effect that he that he uh, has when drinking a freezy um, and you start to start to see here a little bit of his like the start of JD is this like uh, against the machine sort of mode of being for him. And so uh, he's kind of against the Heathers, against the Rams and Kurtz of the world and wanting to try to find a way to bring them down a little bit. Eventually we get to this party. It's at Ram's house. We meet Ram and Kurt's dads um, who let them have the house uh, and uh, kind of head out. Uh, but then this big party happens. The whole like scheme that the Heathers have around Martha comes to fruition. Uh, the, a lot of the party is there about mocking Martha in a kind of sick fashion. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the ways is that she brings this note and talks to Ram and Ram says, I've never written this note and she's totally embarrassed. Um, so so there's this, this, this whole dynamic and eventually it becomes 
becomes too much for Veronica to stomach anymore. She can't take it. She uh, uh, refuses to go along with it. Winds up they're they're all they're all drinking, of course, at this party. Winds up throwing up in the face of one of the Heather's um, uh, Heather Heather Chandler specifically, the ringleader, and uh, says that they're awful and runs out of there. Um, as soon as she leaves, though, pretty pretty much as soon as she leaves, um, she sings. She has this big song, "Dead Girl Walking," where she's kind of going around town, wondering what it, what on earth she's done, how her reputation is going to be affected, how she's going to show up on Monday, um, uh, in in such bad ways with the most popular people in school. Um, eventually, runs into JD and basically uh, says, "We need to have sex right now because I'm angry um, and and afraid." And so they they do they 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 have sex right after that. They sleep together and. Uh, they wake up the next morning and Veronica says, we got, I got to go apologize. I got to go figure this out. Uh, JD says, okay, I'll come with you. Be moral support, etc." Um, they show up at, uh, Heather's, uh, Heather Chandler's house. And she's basically tells Veronica to start begging and to make her a, uh, hangover aid. And so while she is kind of making the hangover aid, JD has these kind of weird lines about like, what if we just gave her a bunch of drain all, um, and, and, uh, poisoned her, then she wouldn't have a hangover anymore. Um, and he kind of pours them out jokingly and manages to switch the cups that Veronica grabs to go give the kind of hangover medication to Heather Chandler. Now, Heather Chandler, uh, in the process of making Veronica beg for her forgiveness, drinks this particular drain-all solution and dies uh, very quickly and dramatically on stage um, and becomes a ghost that uh, hangs out for the rest of the play, um, sings along on a lot of numbers and things like that. JD begins to kind of go through the process of trying to coach Veronica through how to stage this as if it was a suicide, and thus the ripple effects start. Um, how to cover up a murder. Yes. <laughs> murder by accident, I guess. Murder by accident. Murder through proxy. Um, uh, so uh, so uh, then, then then it begins to spread around. The whole school is kind of rippled uh, by, by the passing of Heather Chandler and her suicide note. Uh, notably, teachers try to hold like emotional talk-throughs with the students and try to access emotions. The, uh, particularly, I believe, Fleming is the teacher that is brought up quite often as trying to sort of set up these sort of safe spaces for kids to have these sort of conversations. But um, the uh, the uh, kind of continuing uh, 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 drama of this group builds, and eventually the other Heathers, the Heathers who are left, and uh, Ram and Kurt uh, go to uh, the cemetery and kind of stage, again, here's, here's, I mean, this is the kind of awful sexual assault part of it, stage this attempt to uh, catch Veronica in the cemetery and have, uh, I believe it's Kurt, uh, Kurt attempts to rape her in the cemetery. Um, she manages to, uh, to deal with that problem because he's really drunk. Um, she gets away from there, but then the next day they spread the rumor that she, uh, didn't, in, in fact, uh, was, uh, had a threesome between Ram and Kurt. And so the, the school kind of blows up with this rumor. This kind of prompts JD to suggest to Veronica, well, what if we use these like ancient World War II trank darts to just like make them fall asleep and uh, pretend that they like like committed suicide together in this fashion because they, they because both Ram and Kurt loved each other and the world couldn't accept their love. And so JD kind of cajoles Veronica into this plan to uh, trank both Ram and Kurt at the cemetery, which he just brings a gun and he kills them. Um, um, so, 
So uh, that that kind of continues this rampage of JD through Veronica on on these people as more and more people start to uh, leave and and all along leave are killed. Um and uh and JD kind of all along is revealing more and more of his sort of like. I'm I'm very okay with this. Like this is uh, this is sort of the justice that I see in the world. I'm able to like you know delete these people, and it's okay that I'm doing so. We start to meet a little bit more of his dad. Um, uh, it's kind of clear that there's some sort of troubled relationship with JD's dad, even though they have this sort of like strange parroting relationship between them, where they talk in each other's voices whenever Veronica's home. All that to say, Veronica begins to realize JD isn't the best news um, and starts to try to extract herself um, <laughs> from this relationship. To from speedily... this murdering psychopath. <laughs> this murdering psychopath. Um, to sum up Act 2 uh, fa fairly quickly, and then we can jump into the conversation, the, the school ripples again with the uh, the, the uh, killings of, of both Ram and Kurt, though they are staged as suicides once again. Um, uh, eventually, the other Heathers are kind of brought into these emotional situations, especially Heather McNamara kind of uh, voices some of the pain that she goes through, uh, how alone she feels, um, how, how, how much she's kind of going through in this. Um, and Martha begins to kind of catch the scent <laughs> of what's what could be going on, that JD might be behind these things. And so Veronica tries to cover up that Martha knows so that JD doesn't kill her. And on and on it goes. Eventually, uh, Veronica manages to leave JD as he kind of threatens her um, uh, when she's over at his house one of the times uh, with, with, with the gun in his hand. Uh, she manages to leave him, and so he sparks this idea to just bring everyone together to the school and blow up everyone because no one needs them anymore. So Veronica um, uh, kind of uh, stages a way to uh, stop him from doing that. She uh, First of all, she knows that he'll kind of like creep on her and still come to the house, not take no for an answer. Um, and so she kind of stages her own fake death so that he thinks that she died and so he goes off on his own to try to you know blow up everybody and she's still alive she manages to kind of run off she gets uh gets to the spot where jd is about to blow up the whole stadium of people she manages to wrestle with him get the gun from him a shot goes off jd is covered in blood having been shot and she picks up the bong runs out of the building tries to get away can't quite get far enough so uh, doesn't know which wire to cut on the bomb it's like actively ticking down. JD emerges, still shot through the gut, but able enough to kind of take the bomb and walk it far enough away from Veronica and blow himself up. Veronica manages to survive. And then reunite with Martha for the end of the play. There's this kind of like, wow, that was a really rough couple weeks, huh? Um, and, and they uh, kind of reconnect and, uh, and manage to try to find a way to navigate through the last of this year together, even in light of all the killing that has happened so far. Um, and that kind of is the, the, the end of the play. It wraps up pretty quickly after that, having, having, uh, saved the school from the last bomb of JD and, uh, jumped into the rest of the school year together. Now, now that you've said all of that, which is <laughs> wild, I mean, that's, uh, just a crazy, just insane plot. I didn't want to say this before because I wanted you to get through the synopsis. I do have <laughs> a thought about why this musical is not, just doesn't have the same, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe there is a huge commercial <laughs> success to Heather's that I'm missing. But it seems to me that the, it's far more popular in the UK on that big money-making commercial level. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
than here in the United States. I'd like to propose a potential reason why. What does the United States have? This is going to be an uncomfortable conversation. What does the yep. United States have in spades that the UK does not? School All the shootings. guns. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, the guns, yes, for sure. But specifically, killings, mass killings in schools is a huge problem in the United States. The the number of school shootings, just look up how many school shootings there have been from whatever day you're listening to this episode in the course of the last 365 days before you. You will be shocked. Yeah. Shocked. I am, I, there was a shooting at my high school when I was there. And I, I mean, I'm just like, I consider myself a run-of-the-mill American. And it yeah, happened to me. Right? And so I do wonder if the fact that this is a musical, not only about, you know, killing these unpopular, popular kids, but the as you just described, the end of the musical is an attempted bombing of a high school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This this play hits very close to home to have any sort of commercial success in in America. And I think in that way there's there is kind of this like, you know, it, it sort of makes sense. You know, you're you're talking about <laughs> the, the you know, if if if, if uh, I don't know, this is this is a generalization. We're we're uh, this is the hot take episode of the season, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> we're just firing from the hip. <laughs> But but yeah, from 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 kind of a, a you know a British audience perspective, uh, West End West End production sort of perspective, you're not ta- you're talking about the neighbor, <laughs> you're talking about um, uh, you're talking about uh, you know America across the pond and some of the problems that are endemic within that sort of system, and so there is that degree of separation and that knowledge of well this doesn't happen here as much, even though like the 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 actual issues that the students are going through, obviously there's a lot of resonance there. Um, there's the 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 actual like the bullying and the struggle and 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 the you know constant vying for power that happens in high school all the time um that's all still really identifiable but it's kind of cased in or the i guess the given circumstances of it being in america allows it to be this sort of like other other setting where this sort of like violence is possible which is just you know just not great for us over here in america as we try to engage this sort of play <laughs> Yeah, I mean, regardless of its commercial success or lack thereof in America, and again, maybe we'll get some comment here as soon as the episode comes out and somebody's like, no, it's been a huge success here, maybe. It's been great but, over here. I love it. Well, but but my point is, like, regardless of its success or not success in America, the fact that it's so big in the UK does make you say, like, boy, their perspective on the American education system <laughs> is rough. It's gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, how we look sure. to the world. Ay, ay, ay. All right, that's, yeah. that's enough politics <laughs> from the hips. <laughs> politics from the hips. But this, uh, so so the thing that I couldn't really, again, like whenever we do a musical on this podcast, there is this kind of, we talk a lot about plot and theme and development and structure and prop negotiation and all that sort of fun stuff because that's our jam. The nerd um, stuff. <laughs> the nerd stuff. Um, <laughs> and then whenever we get to a musical, we almost always get to the end and we're like, oh yeah, the music's great too. And the, the thing is, the music is really great in this play. I think that's part of the reason why it is so popular. It's like this, it's like this crazy combination of like, I don't know, like uh, hairspray and also um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, 
uh, I don't know, so just just it's got so much energy, so much life in the music. Um, uh, kind of a rock musical. That's what I was trying to. That's what I was actually trying to say back there a minute ago. Um, but yeah, this this sort of like high energy rock musical um, mixed with these really kind of tender monologue songs that kind of catch you off guard all the time, especially Veronica, but also Heather McNamara has this like really touching like monologue song where she finally opens up about how hard it is for her to try to exist within these three Heathers. Um, that, that it all like consistently this, this, this musical hits you with music that is at, at one time intensely enjoyable, you know, fiercely, fiercely rock and roll. And then other times, uh, this really touching kind of moving music to, to the soundtrack of these students' lives. Yeah, it, the music has the music itself, separate from the lyrics and the plot, has been somewhat controversial in the history of Heather's. That is the part of the musical that doesn't always get great reviews. It does seem like that's largely from folks who want the music to have the same kind of edge that the original movie did. And while I do think those moments are there in the score of Heather's, it certainly has developed a sense of playfulness and fun as the kind of core of the musical and then intermixed with these kind of inner monologue ballads as you describe. Um, and so it doesn't, the music, just the score itself does not sound like a dark acerbic comedy from the eighties. And I think there are right. some people that said that yeah. that's a fault, so that it doesn't live into that world of the movie. I think both you and I feel like actually it's a strength of the musical that it pulls you out of the fact that it's about murdering people <laughs> and faking their suicide, that you get some boppy yeah. tunes as you go along. <laughs> Right, right. You get that juxtaposition of like, yeah, it'd just be it'd just be a really different play <laughs> if it was like, you know, you know, the other other play that comes to mind about kind of young, young students going through this sort of moment uh, is next to normal. That also kind of comes up as as, as as that sort of play. It'd just be a very different play um, if it wasn't for this kind of like, you know, intense big group number uh, boppy musical <laughs> like the, the first. So, yeah, the first like two, three songs of the play set up, you, you move quite a bit. Um, between the the start of the play and the end of the third song, um, and it's just like a couple pages of the script. The end you get of the through first quite a bit song. of ex. Yeah, yeah, you get through a lot of exposition. You get through quite a bit of movement for Veronica, going from the outside of the Heather's to the inside of in, inside the Heather friend group um, in one song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So, so yeah, you. I, so, I, I'd so love to talk just, about that. Can we pause there? At the at the first yeah, song, because this is to me a really interesting part of Heather's, because to me it is a little in violation of a typical plot structure, either for like your high school lit course plot development kind of chart, or for a, a more standard musical structure where the second song is the I want song. You got a world establishing song, then you get an I want song, and then you watch the character across the course of the musical try to get the thing they want, and they're going to get it or not by the end of the musical, right? That That's very standard. And then, you, of course, you got the little mountain thing that you do in high school too, right? That's like, uh, you know, normal world, inciting incident, rising action, da-da-da-da-da. And for me, the start of Heather's is a canon of all of that. But yeah. from the start of the first song, which is, I'm going to look up the title so that I don't get it wrong, but it's something to do with beautiful. Um, 
in that song, you get how terrible the high school is. It's, yeah, beautiful part one and beautiful part two. You get how terrible the high school is. You get the introduction of the Heathers, and you get Veronica becoming one of the Heathers. Now, that is a very commonly understood sort of high school plot idea, right? That there's a popular group, there's an outsider, and they get join the popular group. Of course, something like Mean Girls, but also think about like Stranger Things, right? Then that's like the whole plot for Nancy of season one of Stranger Things. Like, <laughs> right, right. There's popular kids, and I'm an outcast, kind of awkward nerd girl, and I get in with the popular. So that's, that's very normal. What's not normal to me is how quickly Veronica becomes one of the Heathers in this musical. This is not a musical where she sets out to do that, and can she accomplish it by the the end of the musical she does it first song <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like i don't really know what the structure of that is but it's kind of the like the be careful what you wish for is almost the the structure of this play i do i have a thesis <laughs> and as far as i can tell this is an original idea if i'm stealing from someone's <laughs> research paper that they published online that i couldn't i didn't know about this did not come from that I have created this idea, <laughs> and my idea is that Heathers is following a Greek comic structure or, or premise Ooh, for comedies. Okay. The ancient Greek comedies are based on what, if you've done your theater history, is called the happy idea. The happy idea is that Greek comedies, a lot of them at least, are that there's some sort of problem in the world. That's the beginning of the play. What's the problem in the world? Of course, you're thinking about your Lysistrata. We did the birds on this podcast. We talked a lot about the happy idea in those episodes. Um, I think The Little Shop of Horrors is a happy idea musical. I think that Circle Mirror Transformation in some ways is a happy idea play by Annie Baker. If you disagree with me on either of those, shoot me an email and let's talk about it. But here's why I think Heathers is. This is the, it's because of how quickly Veronica becomes a Heather. Like I said, she spends no plot time pursuing that goal. Instead, what is set up is there's a problem in the world. It sucks to be an outsider in our high school. It is terrible. And so Veronica proposes a happy idea. My life would be better if I were an insider. She doesn't really have to do any work to, 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 to make that idea come about. And that's kind of the key of the happy idea, is that the idea is that you can just test it and try it, right? In the birds, they just, like, find a city of the birds. It's, it's like no work. They're just like, oh, the city of the birds, let's go try it out. In right. Lysistrata, they're just like, let's stop sleeping with the soldiers. Let's just try it out. And in Heathers, Veronica's just like, I'll just be one of the Heathers. I'll just try it out. <laughs> Yeah, and she has this yeah. skill of forgery. And so to me, that is the comic premise of Heathers. It is not, can I become one of the Heathers? Because that's answered way too quickly. The question is, would my life be better if I were one of the popular kids? Does that solve the problem of the world sucks when you're in high school? And that's the problem of the play, at least as it seems to me. The world sucks when you're in high school. And in that first song, you hear it from everybody. The world sucks for everybody. And Veronica says, I have a solution. I'm going to be one of the popular kids. And the rest of the musical is, I'm testing out that idea to my problem. That's my yeah. thesis, Jackson. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and But similar, so 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 yeah, definitely. I love that, I love that idea of the Greek comic structure as as the kind of way into this with a happy thought or a happy idea. Um, 
so, so again though this play like sort of defies the ability to grapple with it not really not fully but there's a moment when you think then the play would end um and that's sort of towards the end of act one here where it's like no this is awful you all suck i'm leaving the party goodbye forever um <laughs> And then, then you have that next song emerge of of uh, the uh, dead girl walking, and you see that oh, there's some consequences for this still, even after the consequences for like trying the happy happy idea out, which was well, I ended up like blackmailing my friend or like tricking my friend through my forgery and hurting her quite a bit and being a part of a group hurting her, um, and and so like those those could be the consequences of the actions, um, but but then there's more, there's there's more that kind of continues to develop and. And I think the kind of like little bit of chaos that's thrown in there, which would be interesting to find a, a, an analogy to the, the, the Greek comic tragedy for it, is JD. JD shows up as this like, like uh, sort of like Faye being almost in that equation <laughs> who like has the awful he trick. Has, he has another happy idea. That is why I think Heathers departs from a traditional structure and instead proposes two. His happy idea is F everybody. Right. (laughs) I want nothing to do with any of you. You suck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have the option to think of it as like, so, so you, yeah, you have her happy idea, but then you have like another play happening. And then, like, the two plays have this moment of, like, oh, the the plots combine um, with these two people who are trying out two different happy ideas and trying to figure it out. Um, and, and you kind of have the moment where right, right as the end of the happy idea for... Uh, for Veronica comes to its fruition, you have JD going like, oh, what about this? Um, and trying trying to kind of use Veronica in that way um, to kind of uh, execute, <laughs> pun intended, uh, some of his plan for uh, <laughs> for for how to deal with the that awfulness of high school. One. Wow, hey. That was a good one. If only I hadn't drawn attention to <laughs> yeah, it, that w- would have been better. I want to look at that moment where the first Heather is killed. And I'm trying to skip ahead in my script so that I've got that. Um, Because I actually think it's a weak moment in the script. And full confession here, I have not seen the Heathers movie. So I'm speaking from ignorance whether this is an an invention or a description of the adaption or whether this is how it occurs in the movie. But sorry, folks, I've got a a little bit of a frog in my throat for the past week or so, so I'm just coughing through my sentences. Um, um, So this is the stage direction. Distracted by the kiss, Veronica reaches for the mug, and this is the mug that's supposed to have the hangover cure in it, without looking, and mistakenly picks up the mug with the drain cleaner in it. So this is the moment where the happy ideas stop maybe or maybe a new one starts maybe this is my new thesis the new happy idea ends up being can we kill everybody we hate but right. set that aside for now the the point is that this is where the new part of the plot starts the part of the plot that is cover up the murders make them look like suicides how far is this going to go you get a very similar thing in little shop of horrors right where it's like oh now the now the plant needs blood now i've got to do this in this play in this musical, this happens by accident. That's very clear in the stage directions. And the only reason I think they make it so clear 
is to make sure that you don't do anything where one or two, one or the other of the characters decides to intentionally make this poisoning come about. They're very specific that it's an accident that she picks up the wrong mug. Now, you know, if you're working on the scene, maybe JD pours it into an identical mug on purpose. I don't know, whatever. But in this moment, it's an accident. Now, I've said, I think before on the podcast that getting your characters out of trouble by accident, deus ex machina, is bad writing. Your characters should get out of trouble by virtue of their own decision-making. Now, it is generally, however, acceptable writing to get your characters into trouble by accident. So that passes this test because this is getting into trouble by accident. But I find it to be a weak moment of the script. I really wish that one or the other had made an active decision to start this part of the plot to me. And that's not a very useful thing to say, I understand, because that's not how it is. But it does feel to me like, oh, it's just an accident. She doesn't kill. Like, nobody's, nobody's making a choice here. This is just like a mistake that ends up making being what the rest of the musical is about. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I don't know that it's fully a mistake, though. Certainly for Veronica, it is. Um, Certainly, Veronica definitely has a mistake, but JD does see it. You have the line. So you have that line. uh, She picks up the mug with the drain cleaner in it by accident. And then you have the line after JD sees her mistake. Veronica, you, Veronica, turns back. I what? JD (laughs) says, good luck. And so this is where I think we've jumped into JD as... Just like the villain with the happy idea, um, and you you get hey you know maybe it's not him who is kind of going through, but he has had the the moment to say wait don't give this to her, um, and and that moment he then goes into the next room and watches her give it to her, watches her drink it, and watches her die, and is ready with this idea of a suicide note and a staging plan. So so I I feel like that moment kind of like cast JD right into this like made the choice or didn't made the choice to not intervene at least and thus kind of pilots the the uh next like I don't know third of the play until Veronica leaves him yeah no I, you're probably right about that that the fact that JD sees it and doesn't stop it is the active choice for that moment being made and it makes it very much about JD the other benefit that it has is that it doesn't um tip Veronica off like if JD had handed her the mug then she when Heather died would have had to go back and say you gave me that mug you killed her at least from Veronica's perspective from her view of the story it could very well be read as an accident even though as you're pointing out the audience knows JD had the chance to stop this from happening and didn't so this becomes a dramatic irony moment Right. The audience learns something about JD. Oh, he's actually a murderer. Yeah. All those jokes, those were not jokes. He really is a murderer. We learn that about JD, even as Veronica doesn't. And so we have the dramatic irony of the next however many pages where Veronica figures out, oh, no, this dude is actually a murderer. And in fact, a version of that happens when they kill the jocks. The jock scene is very much the same scene as this one where it's made out to be an accident. But in that scene, Veronica goes, no, 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 no. You told me there were tranquilizer darts in them. Right. And there were just actual bullets. No, this wasn't an accident. This was you causing me to kill someone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this scene, this this first scene, starting in the in the uh, kind of uh, trick or or at least the the possibility that she believes that it was a mistake, adds the little bit of verisimilitude and the us behind the curtainness to us <laughs> believing that perhaps she got all the way to shooting them with the, one of the trank darts before maybe suggesting, well, maybe we don't shoot people. Um, so, so, so yeah, you have, <laughs> so yeah, you, I, I think, I think that journey for Veronica, the slow realization that we make quite early on, because not only do we see him make the choice, we also see him let her kind of wander off and do this. Um, you get the, you get the knowledge that he's a murderer. You get the knowledge that he's a, a manipulator. Um, and you get the knowledge that he has a, a plan <laughs> for 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 all this stuff quite early. And so we then kind of get to be behind the curtain of going like, oh no, please don't trust him anymore. As she kind of goes on the journey herself of fully realizing the lengths to which JD is willing to pursue his happy idea. Yeah. And there, there's a lot in this play that is really clever behind the scenes. Just kind of like solid writing stuff, dramatic irony, characters in negotiations with each other that gets yep. a little bit lost, I think, in the kind of big teen murder musical of it all. Right. I do want to just draw attention, and, and this is where we, the benefit of this kind of a podcast, because we're not talking about a live production or a movie, we're talking about an actual script that you could theoretically get your hands on and look at, is that we get to check out stuff like author's notes. There is a lovely note from the adapters in this script at the beginning of my copy. And in the note, they say a lot of different things um, that are basically good advice on producing the show. But there is a fantastic bit of insight from them. Uh, it, it's a version of uh, something that I talk about and, and that I've learned from folks that I've trained with. It's the idea of, like, what's the worst version of this? That teach Learning how to do something wrong teaches you a little bit about how to do it right. And the, the author's note gives you a little bit of that where they, they basically make the case that although you may have an idea in your head about Heather's the movie and you may have an idea from reading the script of this sort of big, campy, over-the-top journey, don't do that. Don't, on the one hand, make this a um, show where you mimic performances from the movie. And, frog in my throat again, excuse me, don't turn this into an over-the-top plastic character, you know, empty cardboard stereotype campy show. Try as much as you can to fill this show with people who are honestly looking for a break from the torture of high school, who are really looking for a way out, who really need something from each other, and who aren't just these exaggerated personalities. Yeah, there's the there's the line in there about like being sure that uh, you you play up. Uh, be sure your characters avoid excessive or gratuitous cruelty and negativity, and instead play up solutions and hope. That's a really that's a really great line. Um, it's a really great line for this play, certainly. A really great line for people playing villains in general, or just morally um, uh, ambiguous sometimes, but uh, sometimes quite 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 uh, hurtful characters. Is is it's not always about being the you know mustache twitching twitch twisting villain or the or the hair flipping villain, I guess in this particular case. Um, but the uh, but the the hope that by doing this you will 
reach a stage where you have a solution to the problem that you're going through um, is is a really good move um, uh, for for playing villains and for playing uh, for these sorts of characters. And you get that with with especially McNamara, who Heather McNamara, who, you know, goes through the play being uh, at least an accomplice, if not an active part of the 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 hurt being caused in the school system um but but you but you then like see behind a, a little bit underneath what she's going through and you can see that she is desperate for some hope somewhere that she is trying to work out a solution for what she's going through as well and so playing that as the main motivator rather than just you know evil cruelty um would is is, is sound advice thank you author's note for those things <laughs> Well, yeah, and I I actually do think, too, it's especially sound advice for this kind of show. Maybe you'll agree with me or not, but I, I do think that, like, for big-time villains, um, you know, Ursulas and Draculas and, and, like, traditional bad guys in traditional action movies and things like that, we are, especially if he's done any training at all in storytelling or acting or anything, sort of know, oh, bad guys don't see themselves as bad guys. They see themselves as the good guys. They're trying to get this. But because there is such an abundance of high school um, material, media, content, uh, stories, where bullying plays the central feature, and I, I'm not, let me be clear that I am not defending bullying. What I'm doing is saying that I think the portrayal of open bullies in our media sometimes lacks that thing that we know about bigger-time villains. Small-time villains, like high school bullies who are villainous, um, sometimes it's played, I'm mean for the sake of being mean, because I like it, because I'm a, I'm a evil at heart and I have a dark soul, and because I just want to torture people. When in reality, we know if you've done any child psychology at all, you know that that comes from trauma or that comes from trying to have status or that comes from being afraid that if you don't do the bullying, you're going to become a bullied person yourself. So we know all these things, but there's something about the portrayal of high school bullies that tends to lack that. And so yeah. for the, the, I think it's really good, good advice for a, a musical about high school for them to say, just for a second, remember what you know about other characters and apply that here. Don't just pull in what you believe a high school musical, no pun intended, looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to try to dig deeper, try to like engage this. Yeah, what what is what is a very, very uh high energy musical with with the sort of like diligence that it deserves. We're, we're about speaking of uh, engaging it with the diligence it deserves. We are about at the end of our time for this particular conversation about this script. I feel like that one went so fast. Um, there's uh, yeah. a, a, a lot in this script that, you know, uh, you know, a different lens, a different day could be talked about just the individual songs, the way the way that they all interact really, really interestingly with each other. Um, uh, yeah, there's so much so much to ch chat about. Alas, we are towards the ends of our end of our time for this particular one. But we'd love to keep chatting about it. We'd love to keep extending the conversation out to all of you who are listening to this podcast now. If you have been in this particular production, if you have read this production, if you've seen this production, if you've seen this production in the West End and want to tell us we're really wrong about how we assessed <laughs> the situation over there, um, we'd love to chat with you about that some more. We love... Uh, 
getting to talk about the scripts that we do on the show with all of you and also being a space to kind of connect people who have seen the show and want to find a way to talk about it. So find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites. We'd love to keep talking about Heathers with you. And stop using our Gmail for junk mail. It's getting ridiculous. <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. Somebody out there is just like putting in <laughs> no script podcast at gmail.com on all kinds of baloney. Stop it. Stop it. We're applying for financial aid, hey. for heaven's sake. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other episodes or conversations, please pass this on to your family, your friends, anybody you know that likes podcasts about stories, theater, how the way things are written, movies, that kind of stuff. Send them our way. I think they'll like No Script the Podcast. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, all the places that you get podcasts, as well as just liking the Facebook page every monday a link to the new episode appears there so you can just click and play very easy to just do that every monday we will be back next week with a a, this one is not going to be i know ahead what the script is and it actually has some interesting symmetry not as hard a Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we'll see you then until then i'm jacob i'm jackson thanks for listening to no script the podcast